Hey friends, and welcome to the Canby Bible College Curiosity Project, a podcast dedicated to the idea that armed with enough curiosity, we can always grow as leaders. I'm James, the Dean of Canby Bible College, and I'm grateful to have you join us. On this episode, I'm talking with Adam Hillis, Executive Assistant at Beaverton Foursquare Church. We're talking about the value of serving others and get practical insights into how to manage tasks, reminders, calendar appointments, databases, and more. Adam is a humble, effective, and thoughtful leader whose wisdom is on full display in this conversation. I learned a great deal from Adam and trust you will as well. And if you'd like to learn more about Canby Bible College and our mission to help you learn to love and lead like Jesus, visit our website at canbybiblecollege.org. We're a learning community that provides a debt-free Christian higher education experience focused on seeing leaders transformed by scripture, by community, and the mission to love God and love others. Hope you enjoy this episode and stay curious. Mr. Adam Hillis. Yeah. Welcome to the CBC Curiosity Project. Thanks for We're having We're so me. grateful to have you on the podcast. Adam is an executive administrative assistant here at Beaverton Foursquare Church. And I'm so fascinated as someone who has served in a role somewhat similar to yours. And I know we have a long history where we both were in youth groups together for a long time. Um, about the role that you have. And so I want to get into that. But first, just bring us up to speed about kind of where you first encountered Christ, how you grew in your relationship with him, and, and a little bit about how you came to have the role you do now. Yeah, I um, I gave my heart to God in kindergarten at, at New Life Foursquare in Everett. Uh, my family went there. My dad um, helped oversee a lot of music and worship as a volunteer and led their Christmas programs. Um, we moved to Southwest Washington and actually got plugged into Assemblies of God Church where I grew up doing Royal Rangers. Oh, <laughs> I love Royal Rangers. Oh, yeah. I was buckaroo of the year two years in a row for my outpost and did all of the basically, you know, Boy Scouts with the Bible in hand. Um, and so that was a big part of my upbringing. Um, and then my parents divorced when I was uh, about 12. And we, as a family, kind of stopped going to church and uh, fell away, came back, fell away, came back, kind of did that thing through high school, um, led, a, led a double life for much of, I would say, my senior year, um, kind of bounced around a few youth groups, and finally met a youth pastor that um, loved me, even though I was a knucklehead, and uh, kind of let me make my mistakes, but pastored me through them. Um, his name was Paul Stone and um, got plugged into his youth group and um, ended up, decided to go to life after I kind of got my life together and, sure. and went to the Bible college. Life Pacific is life four Pacific, squares yes. Bible college down in San Dimas, California. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, coincidentally, uh, Paul took a job at a church in Agora Hills, which was about 80 miles away. Um, and so I moved in with him for a few months before school started. Uh, got a job at Old Navy and met this beautiful woman named Lisa, who's now my wife. Oh, congratulations. And we uh, kind of dated pseudo long distance, but I, I went to life and was volunteering at, at the church with Paul for a few years. Um, and then he got a job here at Beaverton Foursquare. And uh, long story short, he hired me on as the youth department administrator. 
Um, at that point, I was working for an entertainment company, uh, running sound on the weekends for weddings and bar mitzvahs and corporate parties, and then did doing office work during the week. And so it sort of was like, I would love to do that at a church, you know, instead yeah. of where I'm at now. Um, so yeah, so started as the youth department administrator, um, moved up here the week after I got married and started a new life. I love it. I love in that whole narrative, the key role that one person had Mm -hmm. in noticing you and seeing you and investing in you. Absolutely. Um, obviously in, in, uh, in a professional sense, you know, offering a job, but much prior to that, just seeing the call of God on your life. Mm-hmm. And, and that is such an encouragement to me about the, the power that one person can make in the life of another. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's neat to hear somebody on the, kind of the receiving end of that to say, you know, my, I was, I was kind of a mess. And then the Lord brought a person into my life to really help re- yeah. change that trajectory. Okay, so now you're working on staff here, Beaverton Foursquare. You're in youth department administration, which is, you would know, not underestimate the scale. It's a large youth group, yeah. things like that. Fast forward, I think you've been on staff here for, what, 12 years? Yep. Something yeah. like that. And um, give us a sense for some of the projects and spheres of responsibility that you've had in that time. Um, general administrative office stuff of just making coffee and filing things and organizing. Um, uh, Paul kind of broadened the role a bit. He, he wanted somebody at that. This was 12 years ago. So granted the uh, websites of churches were still in their infancy. Yes. Um, but we used a, a product called church WebWorks, And I knew that from, you know, volunteering at, at churches with him previously. So he wanted somebody to take, take that over and which I did. Um, and then uh, I helped lead worship and run the worship team as well. Um, scheduling was a big logic puzzle of who's available when, at I, what time, and what instrument. I have so many questions about what you've learned about scheduling volunteers, but I want to. We'll come back to that. Keep going. Uh, um, and then uh, I've had just some great opportunities to really be involved in the camps that we were putting on. Yeah. Um, scheduling those and planning those out um budgets you know helping making sure that uh, we're not going too crazy um helping to plan you know some of those uh, in conjunction obviously with our leadership but yeah. getting to be in on those yeah. conversations and and have have influence um and then at camps actually a few camps i've gotten to dean and so it's been really fun getting out of just being an admin and office work and getting to do a little more people ministry, I guess, yeah. rather than sure. paper ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we, for years, used a program, a database program called Church Community Builder. Yep. And that, I think we got it about a year after I started, and it we never had anybody really overseeing it, so the admins kind of figured stuff out as we went and it sort of grew into its own little mess after about five years. Databases left untended are like a jungle. They, <laughs> yeah. tend, they tend to overgrow yeah. and become very difficult, yes. Yeah, and um, so actually uh, about five years into my role, I got to take over the database. And so that was a big administrative piece added yeah. to what I was doing as well. I'm, what I'm hearing is I'm hearing so many things you mentioned kind of like there's people work and there's paperwork. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of administrators are there to, frankly, handle a lot of the paperwork because it needs to be done in a lot of different ways. Um, What have you learned or how do you perceive yourself within a ministry context when a lot of your job is the paperwork? Do you see that connecting back towards ministry when you're in those spaces? And, And what have you learned about the nature of that kind of work? Is it sacred? Is it special? Is it, is it, would you consider it to be ministry? Yeah, I have, I don't know. I, a lot of people have a life verse and I feel like I sort of have almost like a little life story, if you will, from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, I, the story of Stephen just always resonated with me. Uh, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, the apostles were, you know, we can't deal with the bread. We got to teach. And Stephen and some other men, in my opinion, took an administrative task sure. from the, the pastors and the teachers uh, so that they could do only what they could do. And that's really how I've seen my role is um, almost, almost in a sense, my ministry is to the pastors that I serve. Um, that's, that's the focus. Not that I don't get to serve other people in the church and whatnot, but you know what I get paid for, you know, 40 hours a week. My job is as I get to serve my pastors and do ministry for them so that mm. their influence and their reach can be broadened and they can do only what they can do. We were, uh, I think that's a really vital understanding of trying to connect the work that gets done. Sometimes it can feel mundane. Yeah. But it, what it sounds like is that you've been able to draw a straight line between the activities that you get to engage in every day towards seeing how that's part of the bigger picture that allows people to um, enter into pastoral spaces, to sensitive places, prepared, equipped, focused, such that the work becomes more effective yeah. and God's people gets blessed. And, yeah. and I, you know, I just want to commend you for that because that's an incredible mindset to be able to have. Um, tell me a little bit about how you think that that attitude has kind of impacted your spiritual life because a lot of people I know are drawn into ministry because of the the platform component right, right? I want to be seen I want to be on stage I want people to to think of me in a particular way because they see me mm-hmm. but a lot of your work is is behind the scenes I, I doubt that many people are like you know you really organize those columns in Microsoft <laughs> Excel in a really powerful way uh-huh. and yet I mean a database that has bad data in it is a mess yeah and so the work that you're doing doesn't often get the acclaim. So what have you learned in the process about your own kind of spiritual journey that allows you to serve well and so faithfully for so long in that space? Um, I mean, it's fun. I, I've led a lot of worship, and I would, I would say worship and sound is where all of my education is. Um, and so I've been in that role of being on the platform and being in front of everybody. Um, but I also run sound. And so I'm, you know, the sound person's job is to not be seen. You don't want people to like, oh, what's that? And turn around and like right. <laughs> look at the sound guy. Yeah. And so there's almost part of me that thinks that has kind of trained that heart in a sense of understanding um, the the role of, of of each i administratively almost in the same way i don't want people to like when an email goes out that you know um is a mass communication to sure. the church 
you know, it might sound stupid, but like typos are a big deal. Like people notice that, especially at a church of, you know, several thousand, um, there's a lot more opinions, you know, that you hear from. And so you want things worded correctly and, um, and you want people to read them too. I think we've had uh, multiple transitions, uh, that I've gotten to help write transition letters for, and the pastor will send me something and it's like two pages long. And I'm like, it's good, but you know, a parent of a 17 year old doesn't have time to read this and why you're moving on to this new role, you know, let me help edit this down for you. And so those are the behind the scenes things that I get to do that when the email goes out from the pastor that, um, it feels like I'm representing the church well, which represents God well. Um, because a lot of people, especially, I don't want to say people who, have to edit this. How do I word this? Nah, what do I say? Non-churched, non... Sure. Um, people who aren't part of church culture. People yeah. who aren't part of church culture mm-hmm. uh, equate the pastor to God a lot of times. Mm. And so I feel like how we present ourselves in a professional manner often can give people an opinion about God. Hmm. One of the, you mentioned having a life story and one of the, I don't know if it's a life story, but it's something that animates me quite a bit. I'm not even sure if it's true, but it's a a quote that's attributed to Henry Ford, Mm -hmm. the man who founded Ford Motor Company, made the Model T. So this great businessman, he says, my only proof for the existence of God is the church because any organization so radically mismanaged and yet continues to exist, why there must be a God. (laughs) And that, I read that and it angered me so much that the reputation, and again, this is Henry Ford's opinion, or maybe it's not, maybe somebody just made it up, but that that reputation even exists, was such to say like, if I'm gonna carry the cause of the gospel, then excellence in the small things mm-hmm. is a key expression of how the church communicates the gospel. Absolutely. Um, so in communication, in in proofing things to re- get rid of typos, in having a functional database that you can communicate to a broad number of people mm-hmm. correctly, um, all those kind of things all get wrapped up within that broader context of this is how we're trying to express you know, the gospel in our community, Yeah, um, that we do things with excellence. And I think that, that, that's a virtue. I think that's an absolute virtue. I think that's well said. Um, just give us a sense for the, imagine for a moment that, um, we were going to rehire your position. Let's say you're not, you know, um, so what kind of characteristics are you going to be looking for in the ideal applicant to succeed in a role similar to what you're doing now? Um, so now I'm the assistant for our executive pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit different in that uh, working with the youth team, a lot of that, um, you know, I help plan camps and, and design shirts for, you know, camp shirts. Um, if you want to be a great generalist going to youth ministry, yeah, you'll get you'll, you'll get a chance everything. to do <laughs> just about everything. Yeah. Yeah. So and I based on you know, time of season and staff, I served anywhere from four to eight pastors. Um, and now, uh, now I'm serving two, uh, executive pastors. And so it's a little bit different in that, um, it's a more narrow focus. Um, I, 
I think in this role, you have to be organized, obviously. Mm. Um, I think you need to be okay with ambiguity because uh, just being, being that close to leadership, um, you hear more of what's going on than you do maybe when I was in the youth department and sure. was a few steps removed. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, decisions are in, in flux a lot and mm-hmm. uh, you have to be okay with sitting with that because mm-hmm. you know and me, the rest of the staff probably doesn't know because, well, leadership hasn't made a decision yet, so they haven't told anyone. Um, and along those same lines, uh, I, w- I would say um, you need to be able to keep your mouth shut. And cause Confidentiality. A lot of times um, there's going to be things that come across your desk or your email, um, and you're going to know, and maybe uh, no one's supposed to know yet, and so... Um, you just, I was actually just having this conversation between me and the other executive assistants and sort of like, how does this work? You know, do we, do we share information with each other? Cause uh, we're all sure. sort of at this leadership level mm-hmm. and we were talking with another executive pastor and it was kind of like, well, there's no reason to talk about it. You know, it, there's no reason to gossip if you have information because now you have people that you can talk to about it, oh. you know? So even though maybe you know something and this other person doesn't, and you're on the same, I would say level of need to know, it doesn't mean you need to talk about it. I think there's a switch inside each, especially young person that there's a certain, I don't know, hit of dopamine that comes when you've got information <laughs> right. that no one else knows, but they'd be very interested in having. Right. And if you're not able to put your own ego, I think, and needs aside on that, mm-hmm. you can get yourself into, uh, I, you know, Adrian was mentioning how, you know, trust is the currency that organizations function Absolutely. with. And being able the to... next thing I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> being able to maintain that trustworthiness mm-hmm. is so crucial. Now, you breezed over the, well, of course they need to be organized, but let's actually, I want to stop there and okay. kind of drill down a little bit and feel free to get as nerdy as you want because I'm a big... I'm imagining this role as being you're, you're, in a, you're in a service or administrative support role to multiple leaders who have very large plates, and so they're going to need a lot of different things. You're probably going to get a lot of different inputs through a lot of different channels coming at you very quickly. Give us a little insight into the systems that you've built around your world to make sure that when stuff gets passed off to you, it doesn't fall through your cracks. Um. Sometimes things do fall through cracks, and so another character trait is to be able to own own your mistakes. Ah, and there I've, we are. I've had many times where I've been like, yeah, I blew it. Sorry, I should have gotten that to you three days ago. And so I think uh, being able to just not make excuses when you screw up is, especially um, when you're dealing with, hey, can you get this to me by tomorrow? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Cause, because it's affecting something else. I need you to get me this so that I can do this, which leads to such and such. And Yes. Um, but I, the systems I've put in place that work most of the time, um, we, we use MeisterTask. Oh. Uh, it's a task management software, okay. um, sort of like an Asana or Trello. Sure. Um, and so I have one with... Adrian Rankin and Brent Mills, who are the two executive pastors that I serve. Um, and then Shane Jackson as well, because I 
though I don't handle his calendar and whatnot, we still have some projects that we work together on. Sure. Um, and so that's a way for them to assign tasks to me. Mm-hmm. Um, email is always great too, okay. <laughs> and text messaging. And I try to, when I get it via email or get it in text, to jump into MeisterTask and um, uh, either put it on our board that we have together or there's a separate just you know right. task list that I can keep for right. myself. So the, what I'm hearing there is that you need some sort of central clearinghouse where all the stuff that's active right now, all the yeah. open loops, they're going to live someplace. It helps. <laughs> not not written in Sharpie yeah. on the back of your hand and hope that you remember right. the next day. Okay. Um, I take, for whatever reason, I take all my notes or uh, messages that I get, I, I write them down. I don't know. Any voicemails. And for, there's something about tactile and hand and paper hmm. and pen writing it down that helps puts things. So I all voicemails I, I write down in paper. And then um, usually I'll when I get around to it, you know, I'll shoot it off in an email if I need to or yeah. whatever. But um, I always have pen and paper near me. Sometimes it feels faster too than like grabbing my phone and whipping out an app and all that. I can just like, oh, I have something I need to not forget. Sticky note, paper, write it down. I, I'm, I'm you and I are in a similar age bracket, in kind of the classic like millennial, like addicted to the phone <laughs> kind of stereotype. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear you say that because of late I found myself using Trello, using Evernote, using all sorts of digital systems to try to organize my information. And what I find myself doing is each day when I go into my office, I've got a whiteboard there and I'll write out today's date Mm -hmm. and like the five or six things that I know I need to get done. Mm -hmm. And then I go over there and I cross them. And there's that something about that mechanical movement. I found my, my, I feel like my productivity level has increased significantly going towards a more analog handwritten environment yeah. have you experienced something like that as well absolutely i what started it all was three years ago um maybe four i tried to uh do all of my devotions digitally so i had the bible app mm-hmm. and i did my journaling digitally mm-hmm. i said i'm just gonna i'm gonna live with my tablet i don't i don't need to carry anything around with me oh and i said i'm gonna do it for a year and so i, I went a whole year and at the end of the year, I said, this sucks. I need, I need my Bible and I need paper. It just, there's something about interacting with the pages and pen. And that just sent me kind of back on this path of really enjoying handwriting again. Um, so on that, I have, I, uh, um, oh my gosh, uh, StoryBrand. Sure, Donald Don Miller. Miller. Yep. Um, he has this productivity sheet that, Yes, I, I've I seen this. I use. And you have three things that yeah. you are like, this is what I'm doing today. And then you have sort of like all the other stuff I need to get done that you can jot at the bottom. Um, things I get to enjoy today and uh, look forward to and then your appointments. And so you write down what I'm going to do um, and then my rest or my reward after I accomplish that task. Um, but the idea is you really can't tackle more than two, maybe three big projects a day. Um, and then at the bottom you have kind of what your life theme is that you write to be oh, inspired. So every something, morning, something to keep you focused every day. Yeah. What? So I every really morning like I, I sit down with, with that sheet that I have for myself, brand new one. So sorry, <laughs> paper world. And I'm, I'm flying through paper like crazy. Um, I write down, help others accomplish more. And then I start writing down all my tasks that's amazing okay i'm i'm really fascinated um 
to hear kind of resonance and confirmation around something that I've been exploring. And I think that Don Miller sheet is, you can probably just Google like Donald Miller productivity yeah. calendar or something like that. Probably find that template out there. I think he gives it away for free. Um, I'm, what I'm hearing though, and a couple of things there is the writing things down is a key piece to getting organized. Puts right? it in my brain a lot more than typing it for whatever It's reason. true. Or if you just try to think it's all going to stay in your brain without writing it yeah. down, then you're opening yourself up to all sorts of disaster. Um, but the act of writing it down and then reviewing at the start of the day. Mm-hmm. And then I, I appreciate the, the point that you made about limiting, accurately estimating the amount of things you can actually get done in a day. Yeah. And I have found that when I only focus on getting, like you say, two to three things, significant things done, I may feel like I'm getting less done in a day, but I'm getting far more done in a week. Absolutely. Um, because I'm actually taking forward movement on matters that are of significance. And I think that there's another piece that's involved there. Some research I was reading about, some people were curious about like what makes a person have a good day at work. Mm -hmm. And they said the number one factor there is the person was able to take positive, meaningful steps towards significant goals. Mm, Yeah. Right? That they're moving ahead on key tasks. And if they're not doing that, no matter what else goes on, all the ping pong and like open bar you can imagine. But it's if it's not those things, then you're you're not gonna leave work with that sense of satisfaction like you've had a good day. Okay. So we've talked about you've got a lot of organization, um confidentiality, trustworthiness, comfort with ambiguity. What are some other characteristics that you've observed are essential to for performing well in the function you're in? Um, I think research, being good at research, oh. um, I know part of that is I enjoy research. And so I think because, uh, Adrian and Brent know that about me, you know, they're happy to give me things, but, um, just, uh, trying to think of a good example. I don't know. Adrian randomly will, Hey, can you look into this for me? And you know, it's, and it's not, a lot of times it'll be maybe like a company, you know, she's wanting to some sort of, I don't know, consulting company or something like that. And she was like, Hey, look into this for me. And so getting to actually like go through a website and learn what do they do? How do they do it? How much does it cost? And sort of like take all of that and drill it down into a couple of easy bullet points for her to review. Again, something she's more than capable of doing. Sure. However, I can't do what she does. So I keep telling her, I'm like, what can you, only you do? You take that, give me everything. Else. I think that's such a useful rule of thumb yeah. um, for any, any leader, which is try to figure out, identify the things that only you can do yeah. and then try to delegate the rest. And for, yeah. for you then on the, on the kind of receiving end of the delegation to be like, no, 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 what can only you do? Yeah. Cause we got to get you. Yeah. I think that oh, that's really vital. Good. That's a good deal. Um, how did you learn? This, I mean, I'm interested to hearing you talk about like, I really enjoy research. Was that something that like a personality profile kind of reflected back to you? Or is that just a process of experience? How have you grown in understanding yourself as a leader and what your skill sets are? Um, I think just work and doing, doing work, you know, just kind of the day in and day out. Um, and, uh, Cal Newport has a book. Um, that I, I finished this year called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Yeah. Great book. And uh, just the idea of like, you know, not that we shouldn't be passionate about different things, but this idea that as you delve into something, you'll find that you become more passionate about it. Um, and that kind of has happened with me with administrative work. 
um, I'll, I'll quick story. I, there was this point a, a few years ago. I've always felt like this jack of all trades and an expert in none. Um, I can pick up anything and learn it pretty quickly, and I get okay at it. And I'm like, oh, sweet, I learned that, and move on to the next thing. Um, and I did this online course with Paul Manwaring um, from Bethel. It's called Mastering Kingdom Administration, and he delves into um, just the, the gift of administration in the Bible and kind of breaks it down. And um, he said, that's a part of an administrator. Often they are a jack of all trades, and they see things that other people don't. They see the details that a lot of people miss. He said, so if you keep calling yourself a jack of all trades and an expert in none, drop the expert in none you're a jack of all trades. That is your, that is your gifting. Uh, and, um, it really shifted my perspective as a, as an admin. Cause I kind of have been like, God, why did you wire me this way? I don't feel like I, you know, fit in anything. And, and so it just, it reframed kind of that thing for me. It's like, no, like this is exactly who you're supposed to be. And you're in a role you're supposed to be in disc assessment years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, as um, when I was on the youth team, it was interesting. Sure. We uh, we had a junior high pastor who was also over the um, sure. uh, the whole department, assistant junior high, sure. high school pastor, assistant high school, and then me as the admin. Were you the only high C in the bunch? And I was off the chart C, <laughs> and everybody else was a combination of D's and I's and S's. Yeah, of course. And it was, it was interesting to see that we were all perfectly suited for our role, yeah. but um, that was that was probably two years into being on staff, and that was the first indication of like, okay, Adam Adam is an administrator. Um, I I resonate with that because I uh, my life was not changed, but I understanding DISC, and if you're not familiar with DISC, it's a personality profile that tries to divide people into kind of four quadrants based on introversion and extroversion and work focus versus people focus. And so someone who's a high C tends to be a little bit more introverted, but high task related. And so we like things done like in decency and in order. We like planning. We like details. We want to see the data that supports the, the opinions and the decisions that are being made. And in a youth context, I know this is true for me, most youth pastors, especially at the junior high level, are there out of sheer exuberance and energy, more high I in the DISC model, which is directly opposite C. And so (laughs) getting a high I and a high C to work together can be complex. And unless you understand the differences in how people are wired and what your fundamental frameworks are about how you approach a situation, I was always caught in my youthfulness and my arrogance probably thinking I'm right and I have no idea how they've progressed this far in their career because yeah. they obviously can't handle it. You know? <laughs> and with and instead of and I think gradually over time realizing, oh, it's not an issue of right and wrong, it's just a matter of difference. Mm-hmm. Not wrong, just different. Yeah. But understanding that piece of how not only I'm wired, but how someone else is wired, I think helped m- give me greater insight into how I see the world but even more importantly, how my colleagues see the world so that I can nuance my communication towards yeah. uh, making sure that I'm getting my point across in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, we had uh, Jared Roth. He's a senior pastor at Evergreen. Um, he actually walked us through it when, when we took it years ago, and I remember him, him giving us this cheat sheet of, if you are a C, here's how to talk to D, I, and S, and yes. S, vice versa. And, yeah. And uh, I kept that in my desk for probably two, three years and yeah. would like 
refer to it when I would be writing a long email or something. I'm like, oh, yeah. they're a high D. Okay, yeah, you got to cut this email in half. Like they don't oh, want yeah. all of these details. Yeah, cut it in half again. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's so true. That is uh, that. There's anyway. There's a whole nother podcast we can do here around <laughs> the disc model or personality profiles in general. But I think the for me the bottom line was the more you can understand yourself, and the more you get a, an insight into your colleagues, the more effectively the workplace can function. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and to take it out of the realm of morality, like I'm the one who's right here because I do things my way and of course I'm right. And just put it in the realm of this is a way to do it and there are many ways to accomplish this so it's not wrong, it's just different. Yeah. That's that's really, really great. Um, let's kind of draw things towards a close by just, I'd love to hear you reflect on, um, uh, we've talked a lot about the characteristics that you've developed, you know, um, humility, patience, conscientiousness, detail-focused organization, things like that. Um, we've heard you reflect on, you know, how you see your role as a ministry to to directly serve those who are reaching out, you know. So yours is an internal, internal role to help those with external focus be able to do their job free of distraction from, right. you know, that, that kind of thing. And there's great value in that. There's that support network. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about kind of the dignity or the sacredness of the administrative capacity that you find yourself in? Man, I, it's interesting. I, I feel like so much of where I'm at and, and how blessed I've been is just has been the luckiness of landing at this church hmm. and getting to work with Adrian. Um, and so I just, I have a really good boss and I, th- I don't know how difficult that is to come sure. by because I've been here for 12 years, which yeah. is most of my working career. <laughs> yeah. But um, I've, I've been really blessed to just have a good boss. I'm curious, um, just out of just, I, I don't want to, I, I love Adrienne as well. We just, had a, <laughs> we just had a great conversation. What is it that you, as someone who works with her closely, what kind of principles or kind of big ideas do, would you be able to extract from observing her you would say, in, if you want to be a good boss, mm-hmm. you know, follow this model. What kind of things do you see along those lines? Um, listen to your people. Yeah. Um, I was, so I was, the youth department went through a lot of transitions and I was reaching a point where um, I just didn't feel like I fit anymore. And uh, I mentioned that to her. I said, I'm, I love everyone that I work with and I would hang out with them and go grab a cup of coffee any moment of the day. I love everyone I work with. I just don't know if I fit in the working environment. And, um, she said, okay. And then several months later, she approached me and said, Hey, I've been praying about, you know, what you told me. And, um, Brent, uh, who's our worship pastor at the time, he also oversaw it was taking his family to China for six months to serve a church over there. She said, would you want to step into his IT role and kind of help me out a little bit? I think I might be at the point where I need an assistant. And so I did, and then Brent came back, and uh, I kind of stayed on as her assistant. And uh, all that goes back to what was essentially like a hallway conversation, Mm. and she took it to heart prayed about it for a couple of months and felt like God gave her a direction. 
Um, and that's what's landed me yeah. where I'm at now. Um, Caring for your people. Yeah. Um, funny enough, right before this, uh, I shared with her just a um, experience I had uh, uh, last week. Where I felt like God was kind of showing me something. And she just like, she was setting up with you and then pulled me out in the hall and said, hey, I feel like I have a word for you. And she gave me a prophetic word. Um, and so to have like I said, just a boss that uh, cares about me as a person um, beyond just somebody who's managing her calendar. Um, And so that's my personal experience. I've talked to other people, though, that have had the same kind of experience with her. And so I know she serves our staff really, really well, and she listens really, really well. And like I said, just takes things to heart and takes things to the Lord um, and and ponders them well and comes back with a solution. That's beautiful. I love it. I, I love the emphasis on a deep and genuine care for people. Mm-hmm. Difficult to learn that in a book. Difficult to go to school, you know, for leadership. And, and But it's that, it's that sense of uh, honoring and understanding the dignity of all people and, and, and endeavoring to serve them as best you can. And so, yeah, uh, grateful that, for, obviously, for Adrian and, you know, um, and the work that you're able to experience in that in that kind of context is great. Um, any last words of wisdom or advice that you would give someone who's, um, you know, looking at a future in ministry and wondering if an administrative type role is right for them? Um, any kind of ministry at all. I love uh, Pastor Randy, our our pastor. Um, we do a thing called Pastor Camp every Thursday. He get basically everybody under about the age of forty, give or take. Uh, is invited and he sort of just we go through a book or he does questions and answers and just really tries to mentor the younger generation but he has a thing he said multiple times that i love uh it's deal with your stuff and marry well those are two very important things in in getting into ministry um and then specifically administratively um i think being able to see the problem. Administrators just naturally see problems. Um, I think that's how we're wired. And so actually something I've been learning a lot lately is not, not being, um, I don't feel negative, but I think sometimes it can come across negative because I'm always poking holes and stuff. Sure. It's the downside of a high C. Yeah. And so being able to, um, also hopefully have a, maybe a solution to suggest, um, learning how to tactfully approach your boss with a problem that maybe you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think being an admin, like you said, a lot of times we are introverted. I've been, ble- every time I've taken the Myers-Briggs, I'm like 50% oh, sure. inter- introvert and, and, and 50% and extrovert. Ambivert, I think is what they call that. <laughs> and so, uh, but it really is, you have to be good with people, yeah. even though, the job naturally can lend itself towards being in front of a computer all day and doing stuff. Um, The things that we see do need to be presented and do need to be told to bosses and done in a tactful way. Um, So I think uh, as an admin in ministry, deal with your stuff, marry well, and uh, learn how to tactfully uh, talk to the people that you're, you're sharing everything in your brain with. Love it. Awesome. Mr. Hillis, thank you so much for sharing from your wisdom and experience 
in your role here. I'm super encouraging to be able to chat with you. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, friends, for joining us on this episode of the Canby Bible College Curiosity Project. If you enjoyed, please subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. But if you loved it, please leave a rating and a review. Doing so really helps us spread the word, and we would be very grateful. Canby Bible College exists to help you love and lead like Jesus. To find out more information on our debt-free approach to Christian higher education, visit our website at canbybiblecollege.org. And until next time, friends, stay curious.